welcome. All right. Uh, hello, everybody. Welcome to Rendezvous. Um, nice to meet you for the first time, slash meet up with you or meet you uh, for the second time onwards. So today we're talking about numbers. So um, the sun's shining in uh, with shocking uh, vivacity, given that it's Ireland. So um, I feel like an auspicious energy is going to grace me with the ability to um, think the theme through properly. Um, maybe. So basically, uh, I'm just going to talk a little bit um, about um, names and numbers and um, how, you know, the kind of deeper level to it, maybe a bit deeper than you might normally think about. Like, oh, it's just a name. What's the big deal? So let's say um, <clears throat> starting with names, I guess. Um we have like, okay, my name is Jamie. My brother's name is Mark, my twin brother. And there's, um, you know, we were potentially swapped by accident in the bathtub uh, when we were like babies because one Mark had um, uh, paint or whatever, you know, um, nail polish on one nail, like his thumb or something. So our mom could distinguish us because we looked like almost exactly the same. Um, and then during in the bath it, it like rubbed off and she couldn't tell who was who uh and then she was basically like i'm pretty sure that's jamie and that's mark i don't know exactly how i imagine probably mother's instincts intuition she probably knew um so probably i was born jamie um but it's entirely possible in the words of joe rogan it's entirely possible that um i was mark for like a while and then started being called Jamie um, all of which is before I could talk. So I wouldn't know, you know, um, but then, so does, did that have an impact on me? You know, like, uh, Jamie, is, is there anything in that name or is it, or is it just like, Oh, doesn't matter. It's just, you are who you are. You've got your genetics, you've got your upbringing, your culture, your family, things are, you know, there's no difference. But if you think about it as you know, the, in terms of pure sound, Mark, Jamie, are they the same or different? Different, right? Um, and there's, if you investigate it closely, there's a bit of a difference in feeling like Mark, it's kind of like a stronger, you know, sound Mark to the point, you know, Jamie, I don't know, Jamie, it's like a different, you know, a, a up down kind of thing. Um, and, uh, so on a, in terms of just pure sound, it seems different. And so it seems to me probably that's going to have different emotional connotations um, beneath the surface to some extent. Like if someone's name's Korkrechtenbold. Um, hey, uh, this is my little baby, Korkrechtenbold. Oh, okay. You know, some sounds just have a certain feeling. So, oh, this is my baby. Um, uh, Alalu, Alaluba. Okay, which baby do you trust more, Alaluba or Korsten Krechtebold? You know, or like um, Omnia, the little baby Omnia. You know, it's like Omnia. 
it kind of sounds like the feeling of that sound is, you know, even when you're vocalizing, it's like omnia. It's kind of like a tra smooth transition through facial movements. Um, it's like um, disruptive. Um, so there's that. That's one thing. But then uh, also, like, say, you get it, um, the linguistic element. Like, mark has the double meaning of like a, a mark, a target, like, you know, to, to hit the mark or to miss the mark, right? A marksman. Um, or in catching in football, like to mark something, you catch it, you know, um, or to mark, to be marked, like, you know, um, a, uh, a, a blemish or um, an effect to be marked by something. So there's all these um, connotations which come with that as well, or mark, like um, uh, that was a currency, right? The Deutsch, Deutsch wasn't it? Um, the, the German mark, yeah, the Deutsch. Deutschmark, I think. Um, and so, you know, whereas Jamie doesn't have these connotations, um, it has me in it. So I don't know. But anyway, and these are just two names, right? But like it applies for any name um, where it's interesting. I think basically when parents name a child, it's a very powerful, magical, mysterious thing because you're trying to see, you might see like, okay, look at the baby and go, what, what name feels good what name do i like but then within the field of names that i like which name calls out to me it's like sharing some sort of um energy with this child and um and then or you could even say like apparently my parents i think they said they wanted just strong names and i think they did that very well but like oh strong name but um you know I, um but it's interesting like okay what does that even mean but then also like the idea of having names for your children where you want them to carry the certain energy. And it almost seems to me, given that if you look into spirituality, it seems that in a way your name is the, the primal thought around which all other thoughts orbit in this false illusory self, the ego, the voice in your head, your self-image, the me, which um, would would say, no, I'm not the same as the universe. Because actually you are the universe. But um, to be candid, um, but in the sense that you're not the, the same as the universe, that is the ego. And you can say, look, I am the universe and I'm not. Okay, fair enough. Then that's more balanced ego. Like, you know, you're aware that you're, um, you're, the, the, you're the branch and you're the tree. Okay, that's true. But if you're like, no, I'm not the tree. I'm just a branch. Here I am. I'm independent of the tree. I'm not the tree. Okay, you're insane. Um, and that's people who think, you know, I'm in the universe. I'm not, I am not the universe. I'm just in it. Like you don't understand how it works, um, which is going to cause you a lot of problems. And eventually you're going to have to wake up to the reality that, hey, you're part of the tree. You know, it's a beautiful thing. But so the idea of this prime, um, primordial or basic root of ego, seemingly one or maybe close to the root, I don't know, um, is like the the me thought, the thought of I, of me. Like here I am, Jamie, or, you know, say to someone, hey, you're, you know, um, you're Adam. That's your name. Adam, can you say Adam, your name, Adam? And the baby's like, they keep saying this Adam noise and looking at me. I think Adam means me, whatever. Like that starts to form. 
And then around that, you go, okay, well, what does Adam want? What does Adam do? What should Adam do? Um, and that can, you know, develop. And so you're kind of pairing when you're choosing a name, it seems to me you're, you're gifting the, the, the consciousness, the soul that has come into your family um, from mysterious regions unknown or forgotten. Um, uh, you're giving this incoming soul an energy. You're pairing it with an energy in the form of the name you choose. And it seems to me that that can kind of like, kind of like multiplication, you know, two times three is six. Um, that say two, let's say that represents the soul for some reason. And then three is one particular name you could give them, or you could give them another name. Let's say let's use the number five to represent that name. Then you're going to get a different multiplication and you're going to have a different end result. In one case, the child goes around as a six, the other as a 10, you know, and that in both of them, there is still the soul represented here, bizarrely, by the number two. Um, but, and it's the same soul is inside there. And yet, in the terms of human experience, you have a uh, different manifestation. So, and, you know, you could argue that that's what happens through lifetimes. If it is the indeed the case that when we are reincarnated, then that there's the same soul, but interacting with different bodies and also different families and all that, but also different names and the, the energy, which is um, granted to you as, okay, I'm going to call you, for example, my parents, you know, calling me Jamie or Mark. Um, and so, and who knows exactly what these names signify, but I think it's interesting that that's kind of like um, the purest or the original, one of the primary and original um, acts of control or loving conditioning from the parents and so the parents are conditioning the child hopefully with positive intentions in order to help the child manifest and express freedom you need to limit the boundaries to some extent and set a structure which the child can grow into in order to then once that's you know integrated then you'll be able to interact with people and play the games and then with increasing freedom and skill but if you're like oh do whatever you want baby i don't want to control you so I'm just not even going to tell you how to talk or anything or tell you when something's wrong. Then you're going to have someone who's totally dysfunctional, unable to interact in society, going to have a bunch of negative feedback from everyone around them. And then they're not going to be able to express any freedom at all. So ironically, you need to kind of condition and restrict freedom in a way, restrict opportunities. You need to choose a name, you know, give them one name. Um, and they have no say in the matter. You know, it's like funny, like as someone said, like the thing, your name is almost, in one sense, it's that which is most personal to us, and yet it's chosen by someone else. Um, so you've so that's interesting, but um, but you're you need to give them that. Um, and that's I guess a kind of in a way a metaphor and like a primary example of what the parenting role is. But um, anyway, and then people change the name. Some people, oh, I don't really resonate with that name. I want to change my name to this, and it's kind of a magical act that kind of casting a spell. Um, and saying, this is the energy I want to rally around and um, kind of orbit and use as inspiration, motivation to orient myself with the kind of feeling that I want to bring into my life. Um, and uh, you see that in when people, you know, basically wake up from the dream um, of 
separate individual existence and become quote unquote unlightened or whatever, uh, or awakened, spiritually realized, which is a real thing. Uh, and, uh, when it's, it's quite common for people to change their name and in a way they're kind of recognizing their, the death of that false self, their soul had been believing, you know, the two, number two had been believing it was the number 10, let's say, and then it's realized, oh, there's this conditioning, for number five. And I'm just, inter I've, my soul has been interacting with that and interfacing and actually I'm not that. So it's beautiful. Ten's beautiful. Five's beautiful. Two's beautiful. But I, I see now that I am the two. I am the soul. I'm not um, that which has been I've been conditioned through and interacting with in order to experience this life. And I'm at a level of spiritual maturity where I'm a, and I have a, a kind of integrated, holistic, and expansive enough perspective that I can operate based living as a two in the world. Um, so that here's five, you know, but, um, but I'm operating as number two. I just sit cause I, I don't let my conditioning control me something like that, you know? Um, and anyway, they will, you know, change the names often like, so, you know, um, you know, uh, Richard Albert becomes, um, Ramdas or, you know, Eckhart Tolle taking the name Eckhart from Meister Eckhart, um, Past life, Eckhart? Hmm, interesting. Let's have a sip of coffee. Um, yeah. And so, or, you know, like musicians, Dylan, Bob Dylan, Robert Zimmerman, becoming Bob Dylan, or, um, uh, you know, Bono, that kind of thing. And then, you know, Sting. And so, and all these, it's kind of like creating a character, a, a new self to scaffold yourself onto and experience and integrate so it can become second nature but in a way it can also be like kind of like a discovery and an unveiling and a, a excavation of something an energy which is closer to your innate natural energy and so in a way a name can be bringing you home um and i guess maybe nicknames can do that in a way if they're right but uh yeah and then nicknames also it's kind of like you know you have a, another name and then something you can play around with and kind of invest with energy to kind of modulate and modify your energy and um, you know, become more balanced maybe, or just enjoy life more, explore more. So, and then your family names, that's even less in your control. Um, it's even out of your parents' control, really. Um, more or less. And that's interesting. Like, you know, <laughs> my name, family name is a little bit unusual. Um, but like, say when I look at it, I don't see like, oh, son of sticky stuff, you know? there's like a feeling to it or an image and that it's a bit weird. It's kind of become like a, a good thing. It's kind of like maybe that makes me more comfortable to be weird and not feel bad about it. than if my name was Smith, you know, I'd be like, no, I feel like oh, that agent from the matrix, he gets a bad rap. He's, he's all right. <laughs> Something about him. I don't know what it is, but he seems okay. You know, maybe these, even your family name, you know, kind of can affect your, the way you perceive things perhaps. Um, and then middle names, you know, and also say, you know, like um, James, my name's technically James on my birth certificate. And for a while I left Australia and I wanted to experiment with a kind of, I felt like I was a bit stuck in a rut in some ways um, with my mind and my personality. And I wanted to kind of expand and kind of heal. Um, and so I went by James for a while. Um, also, I was going to like a French speaking 
um, country. <laughs> I'll call Quebec a country. They'd like that probably. Um, and uh, and basically, you know, I was like, oh well, maybe James would be easier than Jamie for them. You know, you don't, don't want whatever. You know. Anyway, um, and so people knew me as that for a while, and then I felt like that kind of allowed me to be spontaneous and be create myself and not feel hemmed in by expectations of honor, but this is who you are even for myself. And, um, and then ironically, you know, it's just a different sound, but I think it allowed my soul to kind of disentangle a little bit. And then eventually I, I went, actually, no, but Jamie, that's closer to home. I want to use that name, you know? And so I kind of returned to that more and people have been calling me both throughout my life. You know, every now and then people call me some friends call me James anyway. But, you know, but I like both. And then that's kind of different angles of yourself or something, you know? So if you don't have a nickname, I go on, do some homework. I'd say give yourself a nickname or an, an alter ego or something um, and kind of invest it with a certain energy and uh, go and experiment with that. And even if it's just yourself, you, you know, call yourself that. Or, um, or sometimes say like, yeah, like Seamus, you know, this is J Jamie or James in Irish, you know, sometimes I'll use that to myself just thinking Seamus and go interesting that's not really me but it kind of is it could be interesting you know it allows you kind of space to play around with so you are who you are but um then on the level of human you know like the body and the mind there's a lot of room for kind of building and creating yourself and patterns and perspectives and habits which are you know new and so I think Names are an interesting way to do that. And then also you have that for businesses, for countries, you know, um, and, uh, you know, like um, even like countries like the UK, the USA, it's kind of like ooh, these rather modern countries, so to speak. And they've got these kind of like, yeah, you know, I live in a country which doesn't even, isn't made of words, it's made of letters, you know? Try to explain that to someone like a thousand years ago. Where are you from? Um, PD, PDR. Excuse me? I'm from the PDR. It, how do you spell PDR? Like, you know, you know, the UK, like you're from the letter U and K. All right, this guy's on drugs, you know. Um, anyway, but um, so, yeah. And then naming things also, when you have a phenomenon, you know, it's to understand it and interact with it and be able to analyze it and be able to orient ourselves health in a healthy way, like wisely towards it. Um, often you have to name it first. Um, so, you know, oh, virtue signaling. There are all these people who are saying things and kind of echoing these slogans that they, these ideologies and ideologues um, are kind of, you know, trying to spread rather aggressively through the world. And um, someone, you know, going, doing something or saying something clearly with the intention of trying to get social brownie points and try and make themselves look good and show, hey, look, I'm part of the good team. Um, uh, so, you know, calling that virtue signaling, that kind of came about, you know, a few years back, but no more than 10, maybe what, five years, 10 years ago. Um and, um, you know, it's kind of like, as far as I'm aware, it's kind of more or less a new term. And that is, you know, increasingly happening as 
a lot of processes are escalating and quite entertaining, if sometimes terrifying, and other times awe-inspiring developments of history. Um, uh, it's becoming necessary to name things, um, new phenomena that arise up or aspects of old phenomena which need to be singled out in order to relate and position ourselves to them well. So yeah, naming or like, you know, even if you're meditating you can say, just name something as oh, past, future, fantasy. You know, if you, you're meditating, you're trying to focus on the present moment and then um, a thought comes up like, I could, I could, I could have done it better. Why, why did I do that? I did that thing with that person and oh, should I have done it? Oh, I'm thinking, wait a minute. You can just go past and then back to the breath. And it's just a way of saying the mind went to the past. And then next it's like, what would I do if, oh yeah, imagine like, yeah, I had this big library and I had this money and I was on, had this plane of a fantasy or imagination, you know, or dream, whatever you want to call it. Um, it's kind of no time, hypothetical time. And then, oh, next year you're back to the breath. You know, and then soon it's like, dinner hmm, what should i have for dinner good oh and then you catch yourself oh future right and so you might just be sitting there and there's mental silence and then there's all this kind of even though you've made the decision that you want to have mental silence and that this would be beneficial for you to connect to the calm space um and uh, just refresh your cognitive vision um nonetheless the mind is being stubborn and just continuing to chat. So blah, blah, blah. You got silence and you got all this noise, mind continuing to ramble. And what, and throughout it, you just have past, past, future, past, imagination, past, future, future, imagination, future, past, through, you know, dotted throughout it. And you're basically labeling or naming what's going on. And you're kind of much like a conclusion or an introduction summarizes the essay, condenses it down you know, to the most primary information. That's what you're doing to your thoughts. And so you're kind of taking a step away from them and taking a step into the holistic consciousness of just silence um, and just going, oh, past, future. And like, that's enough. And so you're using thought, but in and but by naming it, you're kind of, engaging with that kind of energy to some extent but just a little bit and you're allowing yourself to kind of push away you're like martial arts you're using your opponent's energy against them so you're kind of using the energy of thought so you're interacting with it a little bit um but kind of by doing that you're helping yourself become aware oh yeah i'm getting stuck in my mind again and so the after effect of that thought past future imagination um is um that you're going to be able to access the now more which is the whole point um anyway that's another thing about naming so um an interesting name is coffee coffee not only does it sound cool it also tastes a little bit like this unnameable mm. it's like that thing you know they say it about honey could apply for coffee too sure you can know everything there is to know about coffee You'd write PhDs about coffee and read a hundred books, but if you haven't tasted coffee, then you don't know coffee. So names are ultimately not the deep reality. Reality itself is what it is. 
here it is in the present moment, the only moment we ever have, actually, only moment you've ever lived in and ever will live in, are living in right now. Um, things change, but that's all within the same moment. It's just transformations. It's like you have one room and you move the furniture around, you know, and um, and take photographs of it. And you could say, oh, yeah, it's different, different rooms. It's like, oh, you're just moving. It's one room. You're just moving all the objects. It's a bit like time, I think. Anyway, but uh, so names are necessary and very useful for thinking and being able to, you know, modify our behavior, like the skill, you know, one of the main powers humans have. Um, but uh, also, you know, they can be a trap where you um, are not able to actually be here in the sacred unspeakable presence of what is and then here i am throwing all these words around and you know these names names for actions verbs names for things nouns um, names for describing words for both of them adverbs and adjectives etc um and to express meaning and logos consciousness um apprehending order i guess and creating order but uh, ultimately, it's just a bunch of blah, blah, blah. You know, if someone only speaks Portuguese and they hear this, they're like, don't know, whatever. No idea what he's saying. It's just a bunch of noise. Um, and so ultimately, that is what's going on. But there is this code which you can understand if you have the right internal dictionary. But yeah, so names. Beneath all of this, it's just here we are, you know. Um so that's a bit about names. Um, and yeah, it's interesting, like some names like, you know, Vladimir, right? <laughs> Sounds very strong. It's like v or, you know, the word like valiant, you know, it's like a wedge. Even the, the symbol for it is a wedge. And it's a very, the pressure is focused on one part of your mouth very intensely. And then it explodes forwards. And so it's very similar. It's interesting that onomatopoeia, is kind of a way where even the physicality of your face is reflecting the, it's like an isomorphism, like a similarity of structure, a mirroring of structure to some extent between the phenomenon described and then the words used. And so, or, you know, beautiful, very, perhaps you could even just analyze that word and analyze it maybe in a, you know, let's say seven different languages. Uh, and you might find, that there's something about the actual concept and nature of beauty itself revealed by that analysis and that unconsciously the words we use for things reflect the, the nature of the things um, like beautiful. It's soft, but there's constriction and tension at points. Beautiful. It's open. The beau bit, it's like a blooming beau, like opening up like a flower beau or opening up like an experience or a sense of revelation or expansion of the mind, you know? So, yeah, I think it's all very interesting altogether. Um, anyway, so swiveling over to numbers, um, I chose seven in that example for the uh, you know, seven languages to analyze the word beauty from, if anyone's got the interest. Um, and, uh, but then... That would be because seven's like my favorite number. I like seven. 
And um, I guess that kind of came about when I realized like in Harry Potter, they say, oh, seven's the most magically powerful number. And I thought, oh, that's interesting. And I kind of reflected, oh, yeah, like seven dwarves, seven seas, seven wonders of the world, um, seven colors in the rainbow, so to speak. You know, Roy G. Biv, whatever. Um, seven stars, or I think the seven rings in Minas Tirith in Lord of the Rings. Seven stars on the banners of the Dunedain, like Aragorn, the rangers from the north. Uh, and seven this, seven that, you know, it's all over the place. The seven wise men, you know, seven sages who would like, you know, in all these stories that Graham Hancock kind of very um, insightfully discusses um, all these stories from around the world talking about, you know, cataclysm and then a, a civilizational reset where seven sages, wise people, um, went around teaching everyone all the basic skills needed for civilization. But there's all kinds of stuff like this. Um, and so but it's, so I thought, oh, that's really interesting and cool. And then I started thinking about the number seven itself. I'm like, okay, like four, like a square, and then a, tri a triangle. It's like a square and a triangle. They're like these very, the triangle is the, the you know, most basic kind of smallest in a way, lowest number of sides of any polygon, right? Because a circle only has one side. Um, I guess, well, no, I guess you could have like a kind of eye-shaped thing, right? Like a an oval with pointy ends, um, should be a polygon. But um, uh, but yeah, like a triangle, very, you know, basic shape. Um, and then the square, like, and just seeing them together, oh, that's kind of interesting number of things. Or you put it in around a circle, seven points, like, oh, it just feels nice, the geometry. Something about it just kind of felt nice. It's a feeling. Um, and then also, yeah, just like the whole idea of mystery and magic. And maybe there's no smoke without fire. You know, maybe the, these ancestors of ours knew something that I don't about the nature of seven, you know. And so, and so, you know, it's not too big, not too small. So often when I'm making goals, like almost always, actually, I, I use the number seven. And it's also kind of like a running joke with the universe where I'll just, you know, do things in sevens just because why not? Um, and so that's one thing. Um, that's my favorite number, what I like. What's your favorite number? And have you got a reason? Let me know. I'd be very curious, actually. If you could put it in the comments, let me know. Por favor, Marsha de Holly, if you will. Um, and uh, yeah, why uh, it's your favorite number. Um, and I think that again reveals something about your soul, I think, or your experience. And then four used to be my favorite number um, when I was younger. I don't know if that's the influence of my brother because that's his favorite number as well. Um, but like, even it was a bit mad, like, you know, OCD kind of thing, tapping things four times and then 16 times and then 64 times. And uh, oh, episode 64 is coming up. Interesting. Um, and, uh, this kind of stuff and, you know, or, and for some, and then music, you know, like is in fours and sixteens and six, you know, blocks of like four, four is very common for music. Um, so, and it's interesting numbers in music, you know, subtle changes of number, say from four, four to three, four to four, four, as I did in the intro thing, you know, just suddenly changes the emotion, changes the feeling, you know, um, like um, the Beatles do it really well in uh, happiness is a warm gun. Um, they change the, like the rhythm, like in the middle of the song, but it's really smooth. So it's kind of weird, like a little bit disorienting, but not too much. 
unlike mine, which is, I think, but uh, I'm not surprised there. Uh, the Beatles exceeded. But anyway, um, so, and yeah, so it's interesting. Like if you have a favorite number, why? What is that? What's going on there? And if you don't, why? What's going on there too? You know, like um, I guess it says, maybe it's, I don't know how many people would, would be, which would be more common. Um, but it's interesting. And if I forced you to choose a number, which number would you choose and why? If you choose 10, is that because you like structure or if you, you know, choose 11 because you really like structure, no. uh, maybe, um, you know, 11, 11, you're like, Oh, one, 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 one. And like the look of it, Ooh, it seems kind of mystical. Maybe you're drawn to that or nine. Maybe it's like, Oh, um, think about the number nine. It's interesting. So sometimes I just think about numbers um, and like what is inherent to them. Cause um, in a way it could be, Oh, it's just a number. It just is what it is. But it's really like, interesting. There seem to be different characteristics. Like say one, to start with one is uh, yeah. Like it's kind of everything. Everything is one. All is one, one for all and all for one. Um, all for one and one for all um, and yet it's the smallest number smallest number and it's also infinity you know infinity is a oneness so that's interesting it's kind of this holistic thing which is kind of like the white light which contains the rainbow and then say two be like duality where you have the oneness of life and then two is kind of like the yeah well there's me and you or us and them and God and creation, um, good and bad, light and dark, happy and sad, um, time and eternity. These things where you could say, oh, there's two things. It exists. But also ultimately it's just one. Ultimately they don't exist. It's all just oneness. Um, and then three, okay, now we're having a party, you know, and, uh, you know, the Trinity, law uh, Eliparig, Amorach, it's St. Patrick's Day tomorrow, and St. Patrick, as the story goes, used the shamrock, the three leaves, to communicate the idea of the Trinity, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Ghost, Holy Spirit. But um, the idea there of like, which is, very, I wasn't really raised in the tradition to really understand. I don't know if I would understand even if I was raised in that tradition, but um, exactly what that means, Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, but I think kind of like universe is the Father, and then the son or the father could really be embodied by any consciousness much larger than human beings, like the son or something. Um, uh, and then the, the son, meaning the child or the father, the son being like human consciousness, like awakened human consciousness, Christ consciousness or Krishna consciousness, self-realized consciousness, present moment awareness, free of the mind. Um, and then the Holy Spirit is just the pure energy itself, um, which could, I don't know, maybe. That would be my rough guess, but I don't know. Let me know in the comments. What does it mean, the Trinity? Help me out here. So three, but then three also, you know, even the shape of it, you know, like this curvy thing, it's kind of like two, but it's kind of spreading a little bit, much like one. One is just a line, you know? So that's interesting. Clearly there's some symbology baked into it in the script, the, you know, the script of it um but uh yeah three kind of like multiplicity and then you've got the triangle you know and so 
say if you've got three people in a group, you could have two people and they've got their chemistry. The other, you know, there's three relationships there. And then the, you've got the, um, you know, uh, the cumulative field of those three combined. Um, and so that's kind of, you know, three, I guess, kind of representing the beginning into like a society or something or like, um, social world. Um, and then four kind of like a square, but, uh, these are just my thoughts of them, right? Like, you know, if you have thoughts about numbers, let me know, but this is just, you know, it's interesting, uh, to me anyway, like what do numbers symbolize and, and what's kind of what meanings are held by them? So four, like, yeah, it's kind of like structure and order. Like, you know, you've got squares, bricks have four corners and you build walls and buildings out of bricks. And then four, you also have, you know, music often is in multiples of four. Um, and yeah, uh, I don't have, say, the cultural connotations of, you know, say in certain languages, like, like I believe I apparently in Chinese and Korean, I think um, four is the same sound. It's a homonym of death as the same sound, death and four. And so four is unlucky, apparently. Um, I don't have that connotation, but like just kind of like order and structure for five, getting a little mystical, like, why we were good at four. What the hell? It's getting, do we really need that extra corner? What's going on here? Pentagrams and stuff, you know? Um, pentagons. Um, pentagons, a pentagram, no big deal. Nothing funny is going on. Um, six. I don't know. I don't really have anything particular. I think about six. I don't know. Maybe it's because it's right next to seven, which I already talked about, um, which I find somehow very beautiful and graceful. And even just the, the look of it, seven, the angle, oh, delicious little tight, you know, kind of angle there from the, the cross stroke of the seven and going down diagonally. Very nice. Um, eight. Again, kind of in the shadow of seven as or the infinity, you know, kind of connotations of infinity there. But I don't know. Then nine, just probably finally back to nine, which is kind of pretty interesting. Say, so here's a few things about nine. Maybe you haven't thought of. So nine is the highest single digit because you have zero, like your 10 is like two digit digits, right? You got one and then zero representing nothingness, but it's also a circle, which is kind of like one line and one side. So zero in a way, it's kind of, represents nothingness, but it's kind of like infinity too. Like it's kind of like a circle, like eternity. Anyway, but nine, so it's the highest single digit. Um, it's also a six upside down. Interesting, whatever that means. Um, but uh, say um, nine, if you go... Um, say uh, the nine times table going up, you know, one times nine is nine. Two times nine is 18. Three times nine, 27. Then 45. Then 54. Then, uh, wait, did I miss one? Uh, 27, sorry, 36. <laughs> Let's go again. A bit rusty. Nine, 18, 27, 36, 45, 54, 63, uh, 70, Two, eighty-one, ninety, um, and then ninety-nine, one hundred and eight. Keep going up. But what's interesting is that if you look at the numbers there, 
So they're going, they're changing by one. Yeah. So each one is going like, you know, it's nine, like zero nine. And then the next one is 18. So it's one is the first number. And then the next one, 27. Oh, it's two. Next one, 36, three. And it just goes up one by one by one. Whereas all the other numbers, I'm pretty sure that pattern would break at some point, you know, it like it adds up too much and, or you skip, you go from that first number going from, oh, two, three, four. Now it's like six or something, but nine, it goes up one by one, right? Cause it's almost exactly 10. It's just one short. And by the time it adds up enough, you've got to 10, you know, um, that's kind of interesting how that works. And okay. So going up one by one up until like, you know, nine times nine is 81 and then 10 times nine, 90. So you're up to nine. And then you're up to 10 with a hundred, uh, oh, no, 99. Well, I guess it breaks there, right? Um, but then uh, also the second number on the, in there. So first one, nine, zero, nine. Okay, it begins at nine. Then the next one, 18. Oh, it's gone down one to eight. Next one, 27. Oh, it's gone down one again to seven. So the second digit in the nine times table is going nine, eight, seven, six, five, four, three, two, one zero right so it's uh mirroring going up by one and going um down by one as it's going up and vice versa going down and then also if that wasn't enough um you add them together and it makes nine right so like zero plus nine nine one plus eight nine two plus seven nine so it all adds up to nine and then also I think oh, my brother's telling me something like that. Um, if you have two numbers, I think, what is it like multiples of nine? If you, you add them or if you multiply them, it's, a, I can't remember the something there. Uh, maybe he'll let me know in the comments, but um, it's, it's the same again. Like you, you, whether you, some sort of mystical business. Now here's the thing, like nine's the highest digit. Would it be possible if we had had like, you know, another digit that we put in there. So if we said, okay, it goes up to, let's say, um, squish, the number squish. As everyone knows, counting, zero, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, squish, 10. And so squish is this other number. And then 10 is one zero. But then you would have 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, squish, teen, 20. 21, et cetera, you know, um, 28, 29, 20 squish, 30, you know, could you just put another number in there and just have this kind of decimal system, but with more options. Um, and if we could do that, then why do we even have nine? Could, could we do it with one less? And is this just circles and what's actually going on there? Maybe some mathematical genius slash someone with rudimentary knowledge could explain. Um, that would be cool. Uh, but it's interesting to think about like the structure we use just for something as basic as mathematics and thinking like, oh, why is it like that? Could we almost like a name, right? It's just arbitrary. This is your name. Okay, fine. Why? Oh, it just is. We like it. Well, that's what your granddad was called. Oh, okay, fine. Um, or it means this in our language. And that's how we felt about you. Or that's how we wanted you to be. Okay. Um, well, we were celebrating some event that had happened. All right. It just is what it is. It's kind of, we have that with mathematics to, it seems in some way that this fundamental thing of choosing to have that many digits, 
it does it does seem like that's a choice somehow like you could have squish and you know 40 squish you know between 49 and 50 having 40 squish you know um and then yeah and so isn't that interesting to invent just like with a name you you've got a random name there's who you are but then you're using that to explore reality um and freedom then with numbers to explore the freedom or or the the nature of reality to have that freedom to explore we need certain constraints and so we're just choosing oh this is the nature of numbers um so that's kind of well man you know find that interesting um so yeah numbers you know then other you know sacred numerology and sacred geometry like randall carlson look up randall carlson if you want to learn a bit about sacred geometry and he taught has all this really interesting stuff um, talking about numbers and how it connects to the units of measurement and their history and the earth and measuring the earth and, you know, a lot of numbers in the way, you know, the hours of the day and just, you know, the, the way you think we've done things traditionally, um, how they're connected to different relationships within the cosmos and patterns. Um, and it would kind of be a, seemingly a secret code that societies certain secret societies would use. Um, and also, you know, people would imprint into temples and stuff. Um, and so it seems like, you know, much like music, which I guess is a, a sort of embodied emotional mathematics, um, the numbers really of like this very primal language um, with which we can try to name and understand the ineffable reality. Um so, and that you have things like how, you know, what's it, um, ge geometria, what's it called? Um, the thing where say in the Hebrew, ancient Hebrew alphabet, was it Aramaic as well? Or just Hebrew? I don't know. But, um, the, they didn't have numbers. They just, their numbers were letters. So A, B, C, D, E, F, G, H, I, J, they would represent one to 10 respectively or something like this. And so your name um, someone's name or the name for God or the name for this or whatever, you could um, have the the letters and you can add them up and you would get um, a certain number and then that number has a certain meaning. And so the word, they would make the words, whatever the concept was describing, they would have seemingly create words which numerically matched were consistent with their ideas of what numbers meant and what those numbers were representing already. And then all this kind of crazy mad stuff would happen where it seems like, you know, you could put words together and um, the numbers would interact or the, the number for, you know, this concept, if you look at the, the add up the letters and what numbers they represent and you add up some other word and the numbers are, oh, they've got the same number. And so those concepts are linked in some way, which sounds like, oh, that's ridiculous. That's total coincidence. But I've seen certain examples where it's like really interesting. Wow, that does seem to be connected. Or, and it kind of makes you wonder, like, with, you know, I think life is far, you know, someone said, you know, life is not only more bizarre than we imagine, it's more bizarre than we can imagine. And I think this is probably one subject where that's probably going on pretty strong. So, Anything else about names and numbers I would like to share and consider?
Mm, not really. I think that's pretty good. So uh like playing a little bit more music. So let's go with uh two bits of music today. Um shout out to the number two and shout out to all uh our number friends. Um oh that's another thing. Do you think numbers have spirits? Is there a spirit? Is there a consciousness to numbers? They like these gods, like I am seven, welcome to my paradise. I don't know. Let me know in the comments. Do you think numbers are transdimensional and or extraterrestrial entities? And if so, um, what does that mean for me personally? Is it good or bad? that's uh episode 47 uh thank you everyone and um enjoy the numbers and names of, of your choosing or which choose you as the case may be so on see you next week